Welcome back to The Deer Show. As I have been saying for the last 60 years, the extreme right and the extreme left are much closer together ideologically than either is to the center on their side. In other words, the extreme left is much closer to the extreme right than, for example, the extreme left is to liberals like me. I, I hate the extreme left. I, I, I just, I'm appalled by their intolerance and their unwillingness to accept free speech and, and due process. And, and, the, and the extreme right bears almost no resemblance to true conservatives, to people who really want to limit state power, etc. Now, the most recent example of that appears in uh, the New York Times uh, today and, and a couple of weeks ago. Um, both the extreme right and the extreme left now want to trash the United States Constitution. The United States Constitution is the longest serving constitution in the history of humankind. That's a pretty good, pretty good statement to make about something. Um, it has survived the Civil War. It has survived the Civil Rights Movement. It has survived uh, so many things. It has changed and adapted over time. Is it perfect? Of course not. I disagree with many of the provisions of the Bill of Rights. If I had to write the Bill of Rights all over again, I would write the Second Amendment very differently. Right now, it's incoherent. Uh, you can't understand what the relationship is between the second clause and, and the first clause. The first clause deals with well-regulated militias, and the second clause deals with the right to bear arms. Uh, is the right to bear arms limited by the state's power to regulate its uh, militias? Is it an independent right? And why do you need the preliminary statement about the reasons for it being in a well-regulated militia? So, I mean, that's just one example. There are so many examples, search and seizure. Um, the Constitution is just unclear when you need a warrant, when you don't need a warrant, whether the, the, the search of the, the Trump Mar-a-Lago would be or wouldn't be consistent with the Fourth Amendment. There are so many provisions. And, and the Constitution has been amended 27 times, sometimes in the most fundamental possible way. Um, obviously, the Bill of Rights with 10 amendments and then the 12th Amendment, which uh, cured a major screw up in the Constitution. I mean, these brilliant framers, and they were brilliant, didn't realize that what happened in the Jefferson Borough, uh, when Jefferson was running for president, Burr was vice president, they'd get the same number of electoral votes, and then Burr would say, hey, I want to be president. And he came close, if not for Alexander Hamilton, being a conscientious man and saying, although I disagree with everything that Jefferson stands for, he's a better person, a more honorable person than Burr, and he threw the weight of the Federalists to um, Jefferson, Jefferson won the election. It's very hard to imagine that happening today, a Republican leader throwing his way to the, a Democrat or, or vice versa. So the Constitution is not perfect, but it's the best Constitution in the history of the world. And now people on the left and people on the right want to essentially uh, trash it. So let's start with the rights in today's Times. Representative um, Jody Arrington, a conservative Texas Republican, believes it's well past time for something the nation has not experienced for more than two centuries, a debate over rewriting the Constitution. He wants to establish a constitutional convention, which under Article 5 of the Constitution, you can do. It requires uh, two-thirds of the states to agree with it, and all that happens at that point is that there's a convention. But what he and other right-wing Republicans want to do 
is convene a constitutional convention to limit the power of the federal government, to eliminate its power over the environment, to uh, increase its power over certain other uh, areas of life, and to create a reactionary right-wing Tea Party constitution. Uh, It's not what America wants, nor does America want what the other side is seeking now. Um, So you have two professors, one from Yale Law School, one from Harvard Law School, uh, Ryan Durfler and and Samuel Moyne. Um, They basically want to abolish the Constitution. Uh, They would prefer, it seems, the English approach, an unwritten Constitution, or the Israeli approach, an unwritten Constitution, fundamental laws, those countries seem to be doing very well. But, you know, you have to adopt a constitution to the needs of, of a country. Israel couldn't have a constitution. It waited too long. Um, had America, by the way, waited too long, it wouldn't have had a constitution. It, 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 but it compromised. Compromised over slavery. It compromised over, over many things. And in fact, one of the things that, re, that, that radical leftists say is we shouldn't believe in the constitution because it was a white supremacist slavery constitution. No, it wasn't. It was a compromised constitution. Um, It abolished the slave trade over time, but it permitted slavery and that required 13th, 14th and 15th amendments uh, to, to change. But, um, but the constitution has, has served us very well, but according to these uh, left-wing Yale professors, um, not well enough, and, and we ought to really trash it, that the, the dead hand of the law shouldn't control modern society. Well, it doesn't. We have a system of checks and balances. The legislature has enormous power. The executive has increasing power. The Supreme Court serves a role to interpret the Constitution and to apply it to executive and legislative actions to make sure that they don't violate the Constitution. And, and that's uh, a crucially important role. And, and it couldn't happen without a, a Constitution. Oh, you, you could have an unwritten Constitution. The Israeli Supreme Court makes a lot of rulings constraining the power of the army, for example, of the prime minister of the Knesset. And it does it without a written Constitution. What it has is what's called fundamental laws or basic laws, which are kind of like super laws. They're somewhere halfway between a constitution and ordinary legislation. So it's like a partial constitution where Canada has a constitution which has a lot of the same provisions as our Bill of Rights, but always with the possibility that it could be uh, changed if the circumstances require a balancing. It's a much more balancing constitution. Our constitution tends to be be written in, in, in positive terms, Congress shall make no law, no law abridging the freedom of speech. Um, you know, the Second Amendment, if you only look at the second part of the Second Amendment, seems to give a, a fundamental right to, to bear arms. Uh, it doesn't say to bear arms with regulations. Uh, that may be implicit in the first part, but it's not in the second part. So there are various kinds of constitutions. Interestingly enough, when some of the Eastern European countries became independent of the Soviet Union, I got a number of requests from uh, Eastern European countries, newly freed from communism, to help them draft their constitutions. And I said, no, no, no. An American should not be involved in the drafting of 
constitutions uh, in other countries. Other countries have their own culture, their own history, their own needs, and constitutions are indigenous to the people. And uh, the people of the country ought to draft it. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer, but don't give me, an outsider, the responsibility of drafting a constitution for a country I know very little about. So no, I'm not going to draft a constitution for a foreign, a foreign country. Um, the constitution is inherently a document that grows out of the experiences of any given uh, country. As usual, again, the extreme right and the extreme left are dead wrong. We can survive with this constitution. Even the amending process is very difficult. 27 amendments in 250 or so uh, years, that, that's very, very, very few amendments. And, and, and some of them are rather trivial, you know, uh, whether you can increase the pay of, of people. Some of them are fundamental, the right to vote at 18 instead of 21. Uh, we failed to pass the Equal Rights Amendment uh, largely because the Supreme Court had already essentially imposed equal rights for women. Would it have been better? Would it have changed the abortion decisions? I don't know. Again, not claiming perfection. It's the Barney Frank. It's the Barney Frank statement. Compared to what? Compared to a country without a constitution, particularly the United States without a constitution, no way. Uh, it would destroy our system of checks and balances. And we're virtually the only country in the world with a system of checks and balances. Almost every other democracy is a parliamentary democracy. In England, uh, they recently uh, elected a new uh, a prime minister. Uh, if the parliament doesn't like her, snap their fingers and she's out of office. You don't need impeachment or anything like that. Just a lack of vote of confidence. Britain does not have a system of checks and balances or separation of powers. Everything is within the hands of the parliament. Now, they're beginning to develop a little bit of an independent judiciary, but there's, there's a long way to go. Only the United States has three branches of co-equal governmental functions, co-equal. Hard to believe that the Supreme Court of the United States under our constitution is co-equal with the presidency. Now, what's happened, obviously, is the Supreme Court has increased in its power over the years after Marbury versus Madison, and the power of the presidency has increased and the power of the legislature has decreased over uh, time. Uh, it's still quite powerful. It can do a lot of things to prevent. It can stop Merrick Garland from being a justice of the Supreme Court, even though the president wanted him to be on the Supreme Court, and I suspect most of the justices wanted him to be on the Supreme Court. But uh, the Senate could stop it, not by a vote, just by the majority leader of the Senate saying, oh, we're not going to have a vote. It doesn't seem particularly democratic. It's part of our system of checks and balances. And the system of checks and balances is not democratic. Remember, we were not a democracy when we were established. We were a republic if we can keep it. Uh, democracy was what France was going through. Uh, we didn't want it. Uh, we didn't want a parliamentary system. Uh, we wanted a strong executive. We wanted a republic. But we wanted a republic with a system of checks and balances. It was a brilliant concept. When you read the Constitution, and I reread it all the time, I'm, you know, bedtime reading for me is reading the Constitution, and maybe I'll find something new in it. I do that with the Bible as well. I find something new in it all the time. This was my bar mitzvah week. 
And I went back and I read my portion that I read 71 years ago in the synagogue perfectly without a single mistake. It's called Shoftim. Judges, and my mother would say it was Bashir, it was ordained by heaven that I would have as my bar mitzvah portion, uh, Shoftim about judges. But uh, I've read it a hundred times, but this is the first time I noticed that one of the rules that God sets out for judges is, and I've mentioned this before, lo takir punim, do not recognize faces. The blindfold must be on justice. The origin of the blindfold on justice is not Greek mythology. That's a mistake. The origin is the, the Torah. Uh, and when it says, do not recognize faces implicitly, it means wear a blindfold. So that was uh, the origin. When I read the Constitution, I read new things all the time as well. I hadn't really focused on Article 5 until I started reading these new law review and other articles saying we have to abolish the constitution, we have to have a constitutional convention, we have to have uh, more amendments. I don't mind amendments. You know, they're very hard to achieve. Amendments very hard to get, but we've gotten them and they've worked their way through. Look, this is not the first time that people have tried to trash the constitution. Years, just a few years, uh, maybe even less than a few years after it was ratified, a group of Christian fundamentalists. Um, yeah, there were fundamentalists back in the day. They were, some of them were Puritans, some of them were others. Uh, they condemned the Constitution as the godless Constitution. Remember, the Constitution doesn't mention God. The Declaration of Independence is all full of God. Why is the Declaration of Independence full of God? They didn't have the law on their side. The law was against them. They were committing treason. They had to talk about the Creator, and they had to talk about providence. They had to talk about uh, God, they had to talk about natural law. There's no such thing as natural law. Let's be very clear about that. Natural law is lions eat lambs. Uh, natural law is uh, men uh, uh, behave terribly toward women. That's natural. That's what nature has endowed. Positive law says to men, no, 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 you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. You mustn't do that. And if you do that, you'll be punished. And uh, so natural law is just what would happen without law. And positive law is a constraint on natural law. And of course, the Declaration of Independence be full of natural law because it was, there's no law to support it, no positive law. But once a country becomes an independent country, it wants positive law. Of course, it wants to stop other people from having revolutions. It wants to stop other people from having uh a, um, a Declaration of Independence. In fact, I was just in an exchange of views with my cousin, Robert Rosen, who is the great historian of the South and uh, the historian of Charleston and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful historian. And, and, you know, the question I asked him is, what would have happened if uh, Lincoln, uh, who wanted to end slavery, obviously, a nation divided cannot stand all of that. But what if the South hadn't made the terrible mistake of attacking Fort Sumter, uh, a Union federal fort, thereby requiring Lincoln to respond to force with force. What if they had just declared independence? What if you know, Calhoun, somebody who replaced Calhoun, uh, a brilliant writer, as brilliant as, as Jefferson, had just written, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one group of states to dissolve its union with another group of states, uh, God did this, God did that, and we hereby separate ourselves from the North and declare ourselves to be the Confederate States of America. 
Would Lincoln have started the war? Would he have invaded the South? I don't know. But, you know, declarations of independence are easy because you don't need the law. You don't need to cite statutes or constitutions. All you do is you cite natural law. You cite God endowed by their creator. You know, the South could have done the same thing. The states are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, including among those are the right to own slaves. It could have been written. It wouldn't make sense to us today. It would have made a lot of sense in Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, and Virginia, uh, certainly Southern Virginia, in, in, in the days leading up to the, to the Civil War. So constitutions are very different than declarations of independence. Um, I think I may have mentioned this before. When I wrote a book called America Declares Independence, it was about the history of the Declaration of Independence, which is a wonderful, wonderful document. I mean, I don't agree with everything in it, uh, but it's a wonderful document. And uh, <laughs> they put on the cover, uh, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, uh, you know, in, in a scroll. And I showed it to a bunch of people and I said, is this a good cover for our book on the Declaration of Independence? Not a single one of them recognized that what was on the cover was the preamble to the Constitution, not the Declaration of Independence. People merged the two together. They're very, 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 very different. And, and so we have a constitution. It's a, it's a magnificent document, uh, particularly in its structure. You know, the body of the constitution contains very few rights, right against double jeopardy, ex post facto laws, bill of attainder, that kind of thing. Um, but it, it doesn't actually, it's just, just bill of attainder and, and, ex post facto laws, um, which in some ways are also constraints on Congress. Um, and, and, um, uh, but, but, you know, the body of the Constitution, its brilliance is not as a document of rights. It's as a structure of government. It builds a government, a structure of government, and it's a magnificent structure of government. You don't pull down a structure. Do not be Samson in the temple. Remember what happened. The temple was crashed down on him. It killed everybody. It killed him and it killed all the people in the temple. That's what I think will happen if uh, professors Durfler and, and Moyne get their way or if uh, Representative Arrington gets his way. Uh, you know, call me a conservative. And on some issues I am when it comes to the Constitution. The Constitution is a conservative document. It was not designed to make things easy. It was not designed to facilitate governmental actions. It was designed to prevent tyranny. Whereas parliamentary systems are designed to be you know, expedient. All you need is to get parliamentary approval. That's it. And it's done uh, in the Knesset. One vote, one vote. When, when, the newest prime minister was elected. My recollection is it was like a 70-70 tie, but because one person, I don't remember exactly what happened, it became 70 to 69 and everything changed. New prime minister, new approach to this, new approach to that. Uh, one vote, one vote. Uh, that doesn't happen in the United States. In the United States, you need, obviously, House of Representatives then has to be approved by the Senate. It has to not be vetoed by the president, or if it is, the veto has to be 
overcome by two-thirds vote of both houses. And then it has to be upheld by the Supreme Court. It's not easy to get things done in a democracy. And that's on purpose. And so I think we ought to join together um, and oppose uh, the extremes on the right and the left. Let's understand the Constitution as a compromise. Nobody agrees with it all. But it is not a racist document. It is not a sexist document. It's an 18th century document, which has been amended to eliminate the worst aspects of racism. Constitutional rules have eliminated the worst aspects of sexism, of constitutional amendment, ageism. Um, and it, it still isn't perfect. There's still problems. If I knew I could rewrite it and just get away with it, if I were the czar and I didn't have to accommodate anybody, I could write a better constitution. Yeah, I could. I could actually write a better constitution. But I don't want to tamper. I don't agree with the Second Amendment. I don't want to tamper with it because if I tamper with the Second Amendment, you're going to tamper with the First Amendment. And then you're going to tamper with the Sixth Amendment, which is my living and, and my life, the right to counsel zealous representation. I think the vast majority of Americans don't believe that defense lawyers like me should actually be allowed to defend guilty people. I think if you took a vote on that, probably the vote would be negative. And then, then we'd be Russia, China, Iran, Cuba. Um, one of the greatnesses of America is John Adams, that he defended the people who were accused of the Boston Massacre. He didn't do such a great job, by the way. Uh, he invoked racist symbols. He focused on Crispus Attucks, uh, who was the only black man who was killed, and talked about the look in his eye and mentioned that one of them was a Negro. I mean, it, it's not an argument I'd be proud of, but the fact that he was willing to do it. And by the way, he didn't win everything. He won acquittal on all charges of murder, but two of them were convicted of manslaughter, and, and they had their thumbs branded. Uh, to declare them manslaughterers. But, you know, that was a basis for our constitutional right under the Sixth Amendment. So I just don't want to tamper with that. I just don't want to take the risk of trashing a constitution that has served us well for so many years. Call me a conservative. I accept that label when it comes to the Constitution of the United States. Interested in your views. Uh, on this. So let's take a few letters. We don't have too much time left today. Let's hear Dersh apologize for the horror speech of his darling, a.k.a. the house plant from the White House. Here's a challenge to me to actually criticize President Biden. I've done it. I continue to do it. It was a terrible speech. It shouldn't have been given. If you're going to attack the extremes on the right and you're a liberal Democrat, look in the mirror. Attack the extremists on the left as well. You have a special obligation, President Biden, to focus on the extremes in your own party. The wokes, the regressives, they call themselves progressives. They want to end freedom of speech and they want to end the Constitution. Condemn that, criticize that. I'm not saying he was wrong to criticize right-wing extremists, but he was wrong to overgeneralize. He was wrong to use the term a couple of days earlier, semi-fascist. And mostly he was wrong in his silence 
about the hard left. So yeah, yeah, I'm willing to criticize. And I don't know why you, you think that that letter would be so challenging to me. All my life and on every one of these shows, I criticize the Democrats. I am not loyal to the Democratic Party. I'm loyal to the Constitution of the United States. I'm loyal to principles. I'm loyal to our country, but I'm not loyal to any particular party. I really appreciate Alan Dershowitz's opinion. I wonder why he voted against Trump both times. Anybody know? Well, I'll tell you and why I'm going to vote against him the third time. Because I cannot accept the platform of the Republican Party, anti-gay rights, anti-a woman's right to choose, even at earlier stages. Maybe they'll change it. Uh, Anti-separation of church and state, anti-climate, um, anti-reasonable gun restrictions. Uh, that's not my philosophy. That's not my policy. I vote my policies, my philosophies. Now, if there were a terrible Democrat like Bernie Sanders, uh, I could not vote for him. And people say, oh, you'll vote for him. He's a Jew. No, no, no. That's not the way I make my votes. Uh, I would vote against him no matter what his religion or ethnicity is. I, I could not vote for Bernie Sanders. Um, um, I don't think the Democrats would ever nominate Bernie Sanders, according to the New York Times. Um, Tom Friedman, um, Biden may be the last pro-Israel president the Democrats ever nominate. We'll see. That might change my party uh, allegiance. I don't know, but I still could never vote Republican because of its platform. Now, you know. Okay. I really don't see how you could stand to be an admitted Democrat these days. After everything you've witnessed, I'm truly perplexed by your political affiliation. You're better than that. No, no, no. Question is, why are you a Republican? And why are you or any of you willing to support the policies of the Republican Party. You might like the candidate, but, you know, I don't vote only for the candidate. I'd vote for a combination of the candidate and the party, and I just don't want the Republicans, as they did for many years, to control all branches of, of the government. I think that would be a disaster for the United States. Um, Oh, another person says the same thing. Dersh is okay. He's a good guy, but he annoys me always saying how he's a Democrat. All right. They, it's part of my job to annoy you, at least to stimulate you. Um, Dershowitz, oh, this is a good one. Dershowitz would turn and go hard against Trump if the right circumstances were to arise. You're 100% right. You say that as a criticism. I proclaim it. If, in fact, uh, evidence emerges that President Trump tore up, ripped up documents that were being subpoenaed or hid them or did what Richard Nixon did, and I haven't seen the evidence of that, yeah, I would turn against Trump. I'm not pro-Trump. I'm pro-Constitution, pro the rule of law. So you're absolutely right. I would turn against Trump in a minute if there was a basis for doing so. If I believe that President Trump had bribed Ukraine or had engaged in an illegal or unlawful quid pro quo, I wouldn't have defended him. Um, I wouldn't have made the argument I made. The argument I made is he wasn't even charged with an, an offense of uh, constitutional uh, magnitude. I, I would not make an argument against what I believe is the proper interpretation of the Constitution. 
All right, this is a typical one. You know, this could have been written in Cuba or China or Russia. Dershowitz represented OJ and Epstein. So take what he says with a grain of salt. Take what John Adams says and Abraham Lincoln says and Thurgood Marshall says with a grain of salt because all of us represented people who are despised and, and, and very likely guilty. Um, last question. Professor Dershowitz, as far as I remember, you were a very vocal opponent of the 2015 JCPOA, the Iran deal. This time, when the acceptance of it is just around the corner, your silence speaks volumes. No, it's your deafness that speaks volumes, not my silence. I have been railing against this deal for a long time. I have proposed on this podcast bringing a lawsuit against the deal because it's a treaty. It's not an agreement. I am categorically opposed to it. When's the last time you heard me be silent about anything that I strongly oppose? Uh Uh-uh. Check your hearing. Check your eyes. Mine are fine. My mouth is in good shape, and I'm going to continue to oppose the deal, and I'm going to continue to oppose any possibility of Iran ever getting a nuclear power, nuclear ability to use a nuclear bomb uh, and a nuclear arsenal. I'm categorically opposed to that. All right. I'll see you soon. Take care.